John 14, verses one through seven. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, is the word of the Lord. Okay, again, um, good morning. We are in week five of a seven-week series we're calling Practicing Resurrection. So we're looking to the risen Jesus, which is where we need to be looking during a pandemic. And we're saying, Lord, what does it mean to be people of the resurrection now in the chaos? And we're taking one concrete practice with us into each week, out of Sunday, into our week, to help us experience the presence of Jesus in this moment of anxiety. And so this week, we're going to be practicing silence and solitude as a way of casting our anxiety on Jesus. And some of you right now are like, like solitude? Is that like a cruel joke? Um, are you seriously going to tell us to practice solitude during quarantine? Um, so, yeah, they're not exactly the same thing. It's one thing to do forced isolation, and it's another thing to practice holy solitude as a way of giving our anxieties to God. So to start, let's read that first line from Jesus again. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So start here. In the, word of the, in the world of the Bible, the heart, the heart was considered the center of the whole human person. Like physical, mental, spiritual, it was all one big hairball and the heart was the engine of it all. So let me illustrate. Today, if, you, if, if I said, I love you with my whole heart, like I love you with all my heart. Um, in today's lingo, we tend to think of that as meaning I love you with all the invisible feelings I could possibly feel. Um, but in scripture, I love you with my whole heart. It means it's my core motivation is to put my whole person into lifting you up. So at cost to my body, at cost to me, I will elevate you. That's what I love you with my whole heart meant in the world of the Bible. And so um, uh, the heart was the whole person's center. So a human in the Bible, a human is a mingling of physical and non-physical, inseparable mingling, not compartmentalized. Like today we think of like, we tend to think at least that we are souls in the shells of bodies, but that's foreign to the Bible. In Genesis 2-7, when God makes humans, uh, you have slide five there, it says the Lord God formed human from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the spirit or breath of life. So you have earth dust, heaven breath, and mingling together, you get living human. You get those two things and you get a human. So, so, so they're inseparable. 
in scripture, according to the Bible, we are body-soul beings, and the heart is the core of the whole person. This is why it's important. Okay, I'm getting somewhere with this. Um, this is why when our hearts are anxious or depressed or glad or excited, it often starts in our bodies. Since we are body-soul beings, you have slide six there. Since we're body-soul beings, our bodies often know how we're doing before our brains do. This is who we are, this is how we're made. And a clear sign that everything is well with your soul and that you're enjoying loving union and alignment with God is that every cell in your body is relaxed. When our lives are spinning out of control, which is a common feeling for everyone, I know I'm, I'm there most of the time right now, which is something I'm trying to work through by the power of the spirit and a community around me. But when our lives feel like they're spinning out of control, our stomach gets knotted and our neck tightens up and our fists clench and our, our guts feel bad. And, um, and, and so let me ask you again, church, as we come up on eight weeks of quarantine, how is your heart? How is your heart right now? Are you troubled, anxious in your body, your guts, in your sleep, in your, in your relationships? How's your heart? Are you able to find rest and truly enjoy loving union with the Father? So Pete Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Church, he lists the top 13 signs of not being in loving union with Jesus. And so I'm gonna read these. And as I do, pay attention to how your body responds. So number one, I feel anxiety in the tenseness and tightness in my body. That's the number one sign, because we're body, soul beings. Number two, I'm not present or listening intently. Number three, I feel pressure, like there's too much to do in too little time. Number four, I'm rushing. And then I give quick opinions and judgments. I'm fearful about the future. Number seven, I'm overly concerned with what others think. I'm defensive and easily offended. I'm preoccupied and distracted. I'm resentful of interruptions and abrupt. I'm manipulative and not patient. I'm unenthusiastic or threatened by the success of others. I talk more than I listen. Jeez, like you guys, I don't even wanna tell you how many of those made me react physically as I was typing them into my notes last week. I'm like, can I still be a pastor and fail like 11 of the 13? Um, so, as I, so as I read that list, what happened in your heart, in your body? How might God be speaking to you through your body right now? Are you troubled? Are you anxious? If so, first of all, like join the club. Um, you're in good company. And secondly, let me read Jesus' words again over you. And remember, here's the context now, the backdrop in this story, Jesus is about to go to the cross. So he's very aware of the stressors that are coming his way. He's very aware he's about to die. The disciples are less relaxed. Um, they don't want Jesus to go. And so with that image in mind, John 14, verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In verse two, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, 
would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Then verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. So I probably read that passage a thousand times in my life growing up as a Christian, but as I read those three verses this past week, it's like they poured into my world like water. Uh, You know that, I don't know if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, one of my favorite books as a kid, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, There's that scene in the beginning of the book where they're looking at a painting and the kids are like, this painting is amazing. And they comment, look at the sense of movement. And then they realize it's like actually moving. Like the painting is moving and the water is spraying. It's a painting of a ship and the water is spraying on their face and the breeze is coming into their lungs through the picture frame. And this is kind of what happened with me when I read these verses this week. Maybe it's COVID-19 or like leading a church through anxiety or the general just like weirdness of the moment. But as I read this passage this time, it's like the painting started breathing. Literally the Lord's Supper painting. This is what's happening. This is the Lord's Supper story. And Jesus is at the table and he's telling them these things. So picture that famous painting and all the disciples start like twitching and moving and crying and their mouths start opening and closing in astonishment. And then Jesus looks at me um, and he's like, Evan, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me too. And, and I'm like, easier said than done, Jesus. Like, how do I, how, how do I not let these feelings happen? How do I not let my heart be anxious? My body's tense. I put on my five, like five quarantine pounds. Uh, who's with me? My sleep is weird. And I feel like I have too much to do with too little time, which is hilarious in quarantine. Um, not supposed to feel that way in quarantine. So how am I supposed to just not let my heart be troubled? Now pause here, don't get me wrong. Uh, There is absolutely a time and a place to feel troubled. Like in John 11, it says, Jesus was quote, deeply moved in spirit and troubled when he saw Mary weeping over her dead brother. And then in John 12, Jesus himself says, now my soul is troubled about going to the cross. And then chapter 13, Jesus is quote, troubled in spirit at the thought of being betrayed. So the problem is not that we feel troubled, All of us are feeling troubled right now. The problem is when we cultivate our anxiety and feed it and worry about the hypothetical what if. This is what Jesus is commanding us not to do. Our hypothetical what ifs are what's keeping us from experiencing the Prince of Peace in the present moment. So Jesus commands us. It's it's structured as a command. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus grounds this command in two realities. In verse two, just to paraphrase, he's saying, my father's house is amazing and you're in it. My father's house is beautiful and you have a space. Nothing can take that space away. It's yours. And then verse three, again, my paraphrase, he's like, I'm coming back because I want you. Like, I actually like you, and I want to be where you are. I want you to be where I am. And you guys, these truths are bigger than life, and they're truer than anything else about us. 
In this moment, Jesus is going to the cross to open space for you in his father's house. And uh, the only other time Jesus uses the phrase, my father's house, was when he was talking about the temple back in John 2. That's Jesus's uh, lingo. That's Jesus for temple, my father's house. So for the Jewish people, the temple is beautiful. The temple is this place where heaven, God's space, and earth mingle. It's where heaven and earth meet and become like enmeshed, just like humans are physical and non-physical. The temple is where God's space and our space come together in harmony. And this is Jesus says, that's my dad, that's my father, that's my Abba, that's where he lives, and I want you there. And, and, and one day in Jewish theology and in Christian theology, one day that space will spread out across the whole earth and the whole earth will be filled with the presence of God and every sad thing will come untrue and the father will live with us and us with him. And Jesus is saying, there is room for you there. It's already settled. It's already settled. I'm going to the cross to make sure there is space for you there in this, in this place. And, and so Jesus, in this painting, he turns to me and he's like, in my father's house, there is a room for you. No matter what relationships have failed, no matter how you feel from COVID, no matter any of these pandemics, there in my father's house, which will spread across the whole earth, there is a room where my father and, and you and I, we will be one. And it's on that ground that Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. So the, so the question that comes to me at that point is like, why don't I believe it? Like, why don't I actually live out of that? I can agree with Jesus in my head while laying awake at 2 a.m., not sleeping, um, not present to my kids at 2 p.m., or 6 p.m., and feeling like I didn't do enough work last week. Why don't I believe Jesus? And uh, why is it so hard to live in what I know is true about God? Uh, and I submit to you, here's, here's, here's my reason. The reason for me. I have an underdeveloped rhythm of casting my anxiety on Jesus. I'm immature in my rhythm of casting anxiety on Jesus. And I don't obey that command. Um, Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you haven't got the drift, this is a command. <laughs> I've said it already. Um, under the authority of the New Testament, Jesus' followers are commanded to practice casting our anxiety on Jesus. It goes all the way back to the Psalms, 55 verse 22. Uh, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He will never let us be shaken. We feel pretty shaken right now. Uh, obviously, it's not talking about feeling pain. It's talking about your core, your identity, your heart being shaken. That's rooted in the Father's house. Cast your cares on God and you will know this in your blood and in your bones. 
This is more than just a nice thought, like you put on your fridge, like God's so big, you don't need to worry. It's not just like some fact out there in the clouds. It's a command to throw your anxiety on Yahweh. Um, so what does this look like? I'm like, many of us are like, amen. I, I, I mean, the, I can't quite see the text in the chat from here, but usually we're like, amen, uh, I agree, or whatever. Um, but this week we're still defensive and offended and afraid of the future. So what does this look like? Well, I already told you at the beginning where we're going. Here's where we're ending. Uh, the practice of silence and solitude as a way of casting care on Jesus, concrete practice. So to get us there, just a little story from this week. Uh, last Monday, a package showed up on my door, 10 feet from where I'm at. And uh, I opened the package and a friend of mine in the UK randomly sent me this book uh, called The Genesee Diary by Henry Nouwen. Uh, Henry Nouwen, Catholic priest, uh, he's with the Lord now. But it's, this book is his journal entries from seven months with monks, Trappist monks seven months at a monastery. Um, he wasn't a monk, but he stayed with them. You know, lots of silence and prayer times and all of that. Uh, and don't worry, I am not, <clears throat> I'm not going, I'm not gonna like tell you to go to a monastery. That's not the, the practice. Although I highly recommend it at some point in your life, a couple of the most powerful experiences I've had with God were at monasteries. Uh, but in the introduction of his journal, Nowen, he explains why, why would anyone go seven months with monks? Um, and he explains why he personally did it. And I'm reading his reason in the intro and I'm like, ooh, too close. That's like too, you get out of my business. Um, he's reading my, reading my inside mail. And so, so here, here's what he said. I'm gonna put it on the screen. So good. He says, what was turning my vocation to be a witness to God's love into a tiring job? Maybe I spoke more about God than with God. Maybe my writing about prayer kept me from a prayerful life. Maybe I was more concerned about the praise of men and women than the love of God. Maybe I was slowly becoming a prisoner of people's expectations instead of a man liberated by divine promises. Maybe it was not all that clear, but I realized that I would only know by stepping back and allowing the hard questions to touch me, even if they hurt. So Henry here, Henry Nowen, he realized something's out of alignment in his heart, right? Um, and his inner core was not in loving union with the Father. And he deduced, which I think is accurate for us, that we will only know What's out of alignment? By stepping back, by stepping back. This is the heart of silence and solitude. It can look different for everyone. Tons of grace on how it looks for everyone. But stepping back and letting the hard questions touch our core. And, and listen, that's not even the crazy part. So like, here's the real crazy part. This next part. Henry, uh, this is where I actually started getting ticked off. Uh, Henry, he says this. When I took a closer look at this, I realized I was caught in a web of strange paradoxes. Oh, this is painful. He says, while complaining about too many demands, I felt uneasy when none were made. <laughs> while speaking about the burden of letter writing or email writing, an empty mailbox made me sad. 
While fretting about tiring lecture tours, I felt disappointed when there were no invites. <laughs> While speaking nostalgically about an empty desk, oh, I can't wait till I have no work, I feared the day that would come true. So in short, while desiring to be alone, I was frightened of being left alone. Okay, is anybody like with me right now? Um, I like have the chills, I feel exposed. Uh, the fear of being insignificant, the fear of failure, the what if about the future and whether things will ever turn out. Um, all those feelings are magnified right now by a pandemic. We seem like we're at the mercy of powers we can't even see or touch. And the result is our identity, our core heart is being shaken. And I believe one of the things we need most in this moment is a renewed commitment to casting our anxiety on Jesus. A commitment, very practical, concrete rhythm. Um, I love how Psalm 62 says it. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. <laughs> pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Notice it doesn't say, you know, pour out your heart to him and God will always take your pain away. It simply says, pour out your heart to him and he is your refuge through it all. Your core will not be shaken. Your identity will be rooted in the Father's house, which is the house that will cover the earth one day. And then finally, Jesus, in the passage, he directly confronts one dude's anxiety, Thomas. Verse five, it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like we hear you, but it's like whoosh over our heads. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So I'm, I'm speaking directly into a camera lens, which is a weird thing to learn how to do. Hopefully you hear me speaking to you right now. And hopefully more, you're hearing Jesus speak to you right now. Um, our identities, if they're rooted in all kinds of things, our careers, whether we can serve at church, which none of us can, our careers are on hold. Everything is all other soil is gone. We have no more rootedness. And, and Jesus is saying, that's kind of the point. You can only come to the Father through me, not through your career, not through serving at church, not through whatever else it was that was giving you a sense of validation, not through that relationship. And in order to fully step into this reality, this week, we're going to practice silence and solitude as a way of casting our anxiety on God. Very practically, this is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna move what we know in our brains down into our whole beings. Um, so here's the practice, and we're gonna come to communion. I'm just gonna, like, if you have notes, take them, write them down, but this will also be available in a downloadable PDF on the website, the actual practice of silence and solitude. If you're part of a community, you're gonna get this in an email from your community leader, which is great. <clears throat> it's no secret for most of us when we sit down to pray or to quiet our hearts, that that's when it's most anxious. <laughs> that's when it's like the hardest to think about God. When we try to think about God, it's the hardest to, which is hilarious and it's so human. Um, and that's okay. That's actually part of creating a new practice, facing those voices head on. 
And, and that difficulty is actually you growing a new God habit. Um, there's this Dallas Willard quote. I'm going to th- throw it up really quickly on the screen um, just, just as an example of what this means. The first and most basic thing we can do and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Um, look halfway down the paragraph. It says, these are habits, not the law of gravity, and they can be broken. Bad habits can be broken. And new grace-filled habits will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns north. And the last sentence there, if God is the great longing of our soul, he'll become the pole star of our hearts, our inward beings. And so here's the practice. Find a quiet space. This is kind of what makes it silence and solitude. Find a quiet space. And I know in the city, we tried to do this, we tried to do this service live from our back deck just because it's Mother's Day, it's spring. It'd be fun to do it outside. Um, <clears throat> but we have a freeway, like, really pretty close and it was loud and, but that's like where we live. We're in a city and my wife tried silence and solitude this last week. She went to the park and there was like a group of folks that kind of got close and were loud. And she's like, that she couldn't find a space. That's real life. If you have kids, that's real life, but do your best, find a quiet space. Um, And if you're new to this practice, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes is great. Work your way up to one to two hours. I actually, I, I actually find that once I cross the one hour mark for myself, that's when breakthrough really starts to take shape in my life. Uh, but hey, five minutes of actual silence and solitude with Jesus, win. Amazing. Um, resist rush, plan it ahead of time if you can. Um, and then Silence all your devices or leave, if you can, leave them at somewhere else. So the tick, the nervous check your media tick isn't even there. Um, and then once you've found your space and you're, and you're silent, invite the Holy Spirit to come. Ask him to help you with distractions and then move into the practice. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you first areas of fear and anxiety personally and relationally. What am I afraid of about me? What am I anxious of about people that I'm in relationships with? And then once you do that, personal, relational, then move to present and future. What am I afraid of or anxious of about the present and about the future? And wait on the spirit. Like this is the moment when you then wait and let the Lord bubble up things in your heart and mind If you wait long enough, chances are you will hear things that make you feel raw and exposed, press through, exercise faith in that moment, and then keep moving on. Ask the Father to reveal areas of unbelief in your heart, misplaced identity. Maybe you were getting your worth from a career or something that's lost. Um, Maybe you don't believe God is able or wanting to really care for you. If you're willing to go there, this can be a powerful moment of intimacy with God. And then all through this, write, like write down the fears, write down the anxieties, make a list, take inventory. Um, and invite, as you're writing, invite the spirit, 
Lord, what is it about this list that you're telling me? Ask the Spirit what he thinks. Remember, this is a relationship, loving union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And if this starts to feel overwhelming, you're like, what am I even doing right now? That's okay. Like, move into journaling or just breathe uh, or read the scriptures. Then, when you're ready, visualize This is that imaginative aspect of our relationship with God. Visualize the Father, Son, Spirit. Visualize God uh, in whatever way seems in line with the scriptures and his character. And imagine yourself handing the list to him. Maybe package it and hand it to the Father. Maybe it's literally in an envelope. Like in your mind, you fold up the paper, lick the thing and give it to him. Um, and I'm totally aware, you guys, this is, can feel weird. <laughs> uh, this will feel weird and foreign to many of us, but we're asking you to hang in there. Um, if it's hard and you're feeling stuck, just say, God, why do I feel stuck? If you're like, I don't see anything, I don't feel anything, like, Lord, why, why is there a wall? What are you doing? Keep the relationship alive. Keep the connection to God active. And that's it. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. Ask for his help. Um, and hand your cares over to Jesus. Remember, this exercise is just to help you. It's to help you have a mental snapshot of what Jesus says he will actually do in the Bible. He wants you to cast your cares. So imagine doing that. Uh, By handing over your anxiety to Jesus, you're expressing trust. You're expressing trust that he can do it, that he can do the job. He can take care of you. Because remember, for most of us, it's way easier to, to read the Bible and to say the truth and to say amen than it is to actually live in it down into our core. Um, this is what this practice is for. Um, and then when you're 30 minutes or 20 minutes or two hours or 15 minutes, when it's over, um, it's actually a beautiful thing to take that paper, like in real life, not in your imagination, <laughs> to take the paper and the list and like rip it up. Whatever expresses this has been dealt with. Rip it up and, and cast it into a trash can or maybe burn them in your fireplace or bonfire in your back. I don't know where you, whatever you do. Uh, whatever, whatever symbol tells you that it's released. Um, I know this can seem like a silly exercise, uh, Like, you want me to do two hours of what? Um, This is super weird. No, but I say this in love right now. Don't knock it till you try it. Like, don't knock it till you rock it. Um, Give it a shot. We're going to send this practice again to the communities. It'll be available on the website. And and remember, we're going to move to communion now because we are bodies and we are souls. We are both, not one more than the other. I love what Mark Cortez said. anthropology guy at Wheaton, he says, we are embodied souls and ensouled bodies. We're enmeshed. And so we do these physical, we lift our hands in worship to tell our souls to reach out to God. And we eat and drink the bread and the cup to get his truth into our guts at a gut level. And so um, we're going to do that right now. How's that sound, church? Good.